And now, Touch My Bass Productions presents The Shootout with Bill Lynch. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Wrestling Shootout. I am your host, Survivor of Pain, Bill Blanchett, along with my business partner and good and good friend, Christopher Dwayne Dickens, the CEO at Cut My Back Productions. Guys, he deserves a lot of credit for this show. He helps me find the guests, he produces the show, and makes it all possible for everybody either to get their story out there, to hear their story. So a special thanks goes to Christopher Dickens. This show would not be possible to watch it for him. Well, that being I, said, I appreciate that, Bill. But I need to take. I need to go ahead and make a statement that on this episode right now, I'm trying to work out some kinks. We got some feedback issues, but hey, it's going to be a great show. You go continue, sir. If anybody can turn shit to go, Chris Dickens is you. <laughs> I'm not really worried about it. I know you're going. I know any kind of kinks we're going to have, you're going to fix it. But ladies and gentlemen. We had to hire a private investigator to come track this man down. It wasn't easy. We found him. He's somewhere out there in West Virginia. This man right here was an innovator of AWF, one of the original founders of Abwa. He's a multiple-time Georgia Southern and North American champion. He's a very, very uh, promising talent at the AWF at the time. He was even called the next Brandon Parker, if you can believe that, quoted by Christopher Dwayne Dickens. My ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my guest this week, he was known as Midnight, but tonight we're going to learn him as Paul Glenn. Paul, welcome to the show, brother. How you been? I'm doing good. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, it's It's been one hell of a ride since my wrestling journey. I can tell you that much. Oh, yeah, man. We can't we can't wait to hear it, man. This, like I said, man, this show is called a shootout. I tell people when the guests in the show, I'll ask you some tough questions, but, man, just be honest. I said, I call this wrestling therapy, man. Any kind of problems, any kind of issues you had, you want to get off your chest, or you want to set the record straight of all the rumors are out there about the great midnight. And trust me, man, there were a lot of them, you know. <laughs> but let's get, oh, this, man. Let's, get, let's get things started, man. Let's get things started here. We're going to talk about um, Abwa. Who started it, and were you really the founder of Abwa? And was it true you was undefeated their entire portion of Abwa? All right, so let's go ahead and knock this out first. Uh, one, I was not actually a founder of Abla. Uh, in fact, it was Ghosties, Aaron Henderson, which uh, you got to speak to earlier, and STD, also known as Kevin Shea Matthews, or Kevin Shea. Um, those two are the original founders of Abla. Now, however, when I stepped in, it was still pretty early in the game for Abla, and any match that I did end up going against, except Kevin, I ended up... Uh, you know, I ended up winning my matches. Uh, so for the most part, yes, I would actually say I was the undefeated up until me and Kevin actually had the chance to go at each other in the second head tournament. Hey, you know what Kevin defeated you in that match? Oh, uh, very soundly, yes. <laughs> wow, wow. Now, I asked Kyle Matthews, Kev Ghosties, we all know, at the last show. I want your honest opinion. It was a dream match of mine for some strange reason. I couldn't get the bookers to make this match happen over the AWF slash Alba rules kind of match. And the Survivor opinion well locked up with STD, who would have won, in your opinion? That would have been a really hard matchup because uh, I see that you have military training as well as you're a heavyweight. However, we also have to look at STD and his training. 
Uh, he actually does a, oh man, I can't even remember. It's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I think yes. it is. Yes, yes. Um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I've actually gotten to see him actually show these skills off. I mean, come on, there's a picture somewhere floating around on the internet that makes him look like a super saiyan kicking, uh, kicking demon in the face. It's actually pretty funny if you look I, at it long I enough. did that. It's over 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah, he, for a big man, he can actually get up in there, and he is really, really lethal with those kicks. So it'd be a, it'd be a great match, and I, I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you who'd be able to win that one. Hey, fair enough. I've always gone on record. I felt like if I can ground him, I might be able to break him, but, you know, I knew what would not walk in the park. You know, I was training for that bout, but for some reason, man, we just, it, never, it never could have happened. You know, it was always like a what might have been kind of story for me. Um, but when you guys first met, if I remember correctly, here you guys all have a crew. First, I originally met with Flatline Pro Wrestling with Daniel Mays, and then you guys met with Tim Gagner and Chris Dickens. What made you guys decide to try AWF over Flatline? Uh, oh, that's actually a simple answer. You guys were much more forward. Um, you see, uh, t- uh the the one guy, he actually approached us at a McDonald's and, you know, he was talking about it and he didn't actually really promote his company very well. You know, uh, Flatline just, you know, they didn't seem promising. And for what we were looking for, we were looking to, you know, to still keep our roots while still being able to, you know, branch out and actually get into the, the indie industry. And the problem with Flatline is, is they wanted us all to go our separate routes and run a completely different set of, uh, you know, characters, and that's not what we wanted for Abba. We wanted Abba to make its name. We wanted it to stick. And you guys offered that. So with you guys being more straightforward with that answer, it it was an easy decision for us. We all unanimously voted that we were going to go AWF. I know I was excited about it at first. When I first heard about it, I got a chance to meet some of you guys. and I definitely saw back at the barn – I think it was called the Dodge Lane Arena, as Christopher used to call it. I definitely saw what Christopher saw in you. I did saw a younger version of Parker. At the time, you were a high flyer. You were a risk taker. I mean, I'm seeing you climb on top of ladders. And, like, you show no fear when you're putting your body on the line in any kind of situation. What was some of your favorite memories of wrestling at the barn at the Dodge Lane Arena? Because when you guys first started in AWF, what was your initial first feel when you first got started in it? I can actually tell you that one right now. It was the crowd pop I got. Nothing made me feel more alive than being able to walk out, and I, I heard everyone just cheering. Uh, I heard my theme music go off, and just everybody lost it. And it, it was a great feeling. And being able to get in that ring, you know, you guys were like, hey, just do your best out there. You know, we're not expecting any – any sort of WWE material or anything like that. We just want you to do your best. And that's what we did. And when the crowd was right behind us on, on that, we did the best we could, and we had fun with it. So now, I, I know. What was your favorite? Do you have a favorite match at the barn out there? Hmm. At the barn, I can't honestly say. Um, it's, it's really hard to remember. It's <laughs> pretty far back there. Yeah, um, yeah, I could definitely say that I enjoyed my rivalry with Chris Dickens. That <laughs> was pretty fun. I had a feeling that oh, was going to come up. Now, when you say you love working with Chris Dickens, was it a part of kicking the crap out of him, or is it kicking the crap out of him 
or was it kicking the crap out of him? What, what exactly was it that you love working with Chris Dickens? You're a dick. Actually, I like <laughs> working with Chris Dickens because rather than, you know, kicking the crap out of him, he worked with me. He was able to say, okay, well, I like what you're doing here. Let's go ahead and get that perfected. Let's get that looking good on video. All right, because there was a lot of crazy stunts I wanted to do. My character was supposed to be the unorthodox wrestler. Everything that you wouldn't imagine a, a wrestler to have, I had. Every little doodad or whatever I could pull out of my, my sleeve, I had. And you guys let me have that. And that's one of the biggest things I appreciated uh, about Chris Dickens is he, he would work with me on these situations and on these uh, moves. And it, it, it was a big help for me, and it helped me push my character in the right direction. Hey, that's awesome. And that is true. Crystal was known famous for that. He did that for a lot of people over the years. But I'm going to tell you first, straight up, when Christopher saw you, he, he fell in love with you. He fell in love with your look. He fell in love with your passion. You know, Chris was one of the guys that was fighting for you. He really, really was, you know. And, you know, me at, at the time, I saw Kevin. I saw in love with him. I saw something in Kevin. I saw, you know, a guy very vicious, very strong, very powerful. You know, and I saw you, I'm seeing a high flyer, you know, I'm seeing, you know, I could see a little bit of Jeff Hardy and you, you know, you're out there, but you weren't afraid to try anything, you know, and um, I've always respected that, you know, I, I thought that way about a lot of guys in Alvor, you know, I mean, you, you reminded, you reminded of, of us back in the day in 1999 when AWF first started, and I've always felt like that brought new life in the AWF, so I knew we were on our freaking journey, I knew we're about to have a lot of great matches, and this is just the beginning. But when the Dodge Lane Arena, unfortunately, had to shut down. Now, I don't know if you remember this tonight. Set the record straight on some of these rumor ending windows. Is who who really gave us permission to use the bar? Chris Rowe was trying to say, I can't remember. Chris Rowe, help me out here. Was it was it Paul or was it Nick exactly said, hey, Will. it was my aunt. She owned the bar. Oh, it's Will. That's right. That's right. Actually, what that was was a – okay, so a little bit of our past history is me, Will, and Nick, uh, Demon, are all related in the sense of there was somebody, like, married and divorced in our family. So we figured, uh-huh. you know, we could have family ties to the barn. So we all three, you know, were a little bit into that. And we did we, – we apologize, to, like, sincerely for that. We did not know that, you know, they didn't want us in there and that, you know, this would be a big thing. You know, we figured, hey, we're family. They can understand. So that would that would be a big misunderstanding on our part, all well, three of us. At uh, the same time, we didn't all know that uh, they had plans to sell the property and uh, make – townhomes out of it yeah tell me about it Ugh. Um, yeah i still can't believe what happened to that they turned it into apartments yeah i know right i yeah i believe man we were, we were there not too long ago like or i mean area we got videos and pictures what the place used to look like now you see all the apartment complex there now it's just like man it almost turns into memory you know i want a lot of fights in that particular spot you know but anyway yeah. let's move forward here um when the Harlem Arena got started, full fledged again, and we were rushing there every single Saturday, um, you guys were approached by Charlie Anarchy and the SWF guys. I know at one point you guys were wanting to wrestle every single week. And at the time, we were only doing two weekends a month. So Charlie approached y'all and said, Hey, y'all jump ship to SWF. I guarantee y'all every single Saturday. And all the care was that we could do it every single Sunday. That's what we started doing. But how did you really feel about when Charlie approached y'all and gave y'all guarantees um, 
thrust every single week. Were you all for it? Or were you kind of like, hey, guys, we should do it to, to, to Chris, Bill, and Jay, and Tim? But, you know, what was – set the record strike here. What, what, what was the real story in the whole scenario? Well, the, the this was actually another fortunate event for us because uh, we were able to all get together, and we actually talked about it. Uh, we all sat right, on right, – I don't know right. if uh, she's been discussed, but Bobby, which was a big help in all of us being able to make any of this happen. Uh, Miss Bobby Spitzer, she's an awesome lady. You shall get to know her. Um, but oh, either yeah, way, yeah. Uh, we all sat on our porch one night, and we were discussing this. And we were like, well, what if we were able to discuss them? We don't want to jump ship from AWF, but we'd like to w- be able to, you know, to work and continue our progress on our own, you know, on our own basis, on our own terms. So we reapproached Charlie with the idea that we would still wrestle for him, but we were also wrestling for AWF. And he seemed to like the idea. Um, we weren't able to go as much and as often as he wanted us. But when we did go, he, he welcomed us with open arms. And, you know, he didn't treat us like any different from any of his other wrestlers. So we really appreciated that. And I uh, had to respect that. So the whole thing about Charlie telling you guys that he could come up with new names for y'all, new gimmicks for y'all, we're going to end the past, crash that, and talk what you guys to do. All that was just rumors. That didn't really happen. I will say that when we did get there the first time, yeah, we had to come up with completely new characters. But we we saw that more as a challenge rather than, you know, something as an inconvenience. Um, it, it showed us how well we were able to work on the spot. I mean, for God's sakes, I was a, I was a marionette. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I was. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was some uh, backlash from Mr. Fury here. He was really, he was pissed about it. I don't remember Christopher being upset. Tim was Tim was just paranoid and nervous about it. He was afraid we're about to lose the whole roster. I said, uh, look, guys, we're going to learn Charlie real quick. Trust me. It won't take it long for him to say we had enough of Charlie. We're going to come back full-time at AWF. But I kind of gave suggestion to Jay. Says, look, you know, we can do it every single Sunday. Because one Sunday, I'll be there to set things up. And one Sunday, Jay will be there to set things up because of our work schedules. And then, you know. We started. We started doing that and everything. Um, but let's get to, let's get to the part where we're talking about doing an invasion kind of angle, cross promotion kind of way, where it's the Admiral crew versus the AWF crew. Did you guys like that idea? Cause I know it didn't really last very long. As soon as Admiral got together and we started to fight AWF, then all of a sudden a big blow up happened between you guys and. Half the went to AWF, other half went to Dark Alliance, and it turned into AWF versus Dark Alliance. What were some of your memories during the whole scenario? Yeah, that is actually one of the downsides that I can remember. Um, I really wish that the AWF invasion or the AWF Apple invasion would have lasted a little bit longer. And you know, I can understand every you know you guys were recruiting every you know as many people as you could at that same time, and I can understand where you know the difference in the personalities and you had the different rosters. And the different, uh, what are those called? Uh, I, I, groups. <laughs> groups is the best name for it. You know, you had the different groups. You had Abboy, you had the Dark Alliance, and you had AWS. You know, and you had all of them trying to, to build a storyline at once. And I could see where there'd be a lot of conflict in trying to get all that crammed into one single show and continue a, progress- a progressive storyline in all aspects. So, Although I understand that it, you know the Abwood invasion had to cease, but I, I will definitely say it was fun while it lasted. I definitely enjoyed kicking Chris in the face a couple of times. 
The feeling's mutual, yeah, was, my I, friend. I, I wish you could. I wish you could last learn of what it did. But um, when Albert Crew kind of like stands with the actual group, you got to still refer to the Albert guys. But as far as you got to start focusing on individual careers, you know, in AWF. Uh, rumor, rumor has it now. This man will argue with me about it sometimes, but I was also there. I knew what the man said. You know, what was your thoughts? What was your personal thoughts and your opinion? Do you feel like the board members of AWF, a certain few, did not like the Alba crew and they were just trying to use you guys as jobbers, whereas other have and wanted to build you guys up to the top? And then, you know, the big, big arguing and bickering about sometimes. At one point, you were supposed to win, um, I think it was a North American title, wasn't it, Chris? And then yeah. they threw a big stink about it. They want Paul winning the title. And for some reason, Big Jim ended up with the freaking belt. Now, I wasn't there to actually witness this. I heard about it. Someone called me. Don, I Don sorry, Tim called me on the phone. Then I called Jay up and cussed him out. I'm like, what the hell are you freaking thinking? What the, why the hell did you put the belt on Jim over someone like Paul? And me and Jay went round and round about it. You know, but I'm curious, man. You was there. Tell us what happened. What was your thought process when you found out you're supposed to win the belt and all of a sudden Jay yanked the rug off from you, Mr. Fury, Christian Fury, or Mask Fury, the man that didn't wear a mask, yanked the heart, yanked the rug off from you and put the belt on Big Jim, a guy who bitched in the back, more like someone like you, were passionate about wrestling. Well, one of the things I can definitely say uh, when I walked into this is, uh, you know, one of the things we definitely discussed is that something like that may happen while uh, while we were wrestling. So, I, you know, I don't mean to sound cocky, but I was actually pretty prepared for something like that to happen. You know, I was still early in the wrestling. Um, so, you know, I was still trying to get the reins on my character, my moves, you know, give somebody, you know, give the people somebody to cheer for rather than just, you know, this enigma that just happens to be wrestling. Right, right. Although I was a little sad when it did happen, I, I'll admit I was I was definitely a little bit upset there. I probably did some complaining. I mean, I was I was what like 21 at that time. Uh, you know, you get a lot of entitlement. <laughs> um, but I ended up working through it, and you know, I stuck uh, I stuck with it. And you know, afterwards, uh, the matches that came after were great little matches. Uh, you know, and then the main events, I had so much fun at the main events. So I, all in all, I you know now that I look back at it, I can't be too mad at it. I, I'm actually okay with the uh, the, way, the, the way things went. Good deal, boss man. Good deal. Um, what were so I know you talk about working with Chris Dickens a lot though, but what about anybody else? I know you you've had some other good matches with other people though. What were some of your favorite matches you wrestled in the 2009 era in AWF? Don Brown, I, I am definitely going to have to make a shout out to him. He was another person uh, that had the same build as Chris Dickens, which was a person, you know, bigger than me and quite possibly in uh, a step higher, you know, weight division. So he, you know, and during practices, he'd really helped me work on a lot of my high flying stuff that I was lacking as a high flyer. And it was one of the big issues that I saw myself having in progressing forward is trying to get a lot of that rope stunt done while still holding my unorthodox style. And he really, really, really helped me out with that, uh, including helping me create my, my rubber band. Uh, you know, uh, and actually, that was a complete accident. We were supposed to be practicing a head-scissors takedown, and I was like, hey, Don, let me try this on you. 
And, you know, I'm not normally one to say, hey, let me try this. I'm usually, uh, I actually had a, a nickname during practice, Tinkerbell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was the lightest person in the ring, so I was the easiest person to pick up and, you know, people could practice their slams with. Um, but Don actually was, you know, he, he let me be, you know, he, he let me practice. He was my dummy, and I cannot appreciate him enough for that um, because it was able to help me with half of my high-flying moveset, and it was able to help me fine-tune and chisel out my character a little bit more. I would have to say another appreciation would have to go to Ghosties. I understand he's still in, you know, Avla, but I, I got to say, there's been no better ring communication and just – you know, it's like we were on the same level. Half of half of our matches, we didn't even talk. We just we just ran with it. So that that's another shout out I got to make. That's that was another fun era during the two thousand nine. Yeah, working with Ghosty, I mean, you guys had some phenomenal matches, and I guess it's a good opportunity to talk about this now. I never heard you say this directly, but I've always been told by other people you had some hurt feelings about something, and I wanted to bring it up now. It deals with a match. I don't know if it was one-on-one or a tag match, but the famous video on the AWFU2, hell, Chris Reed made a kitty cat playing a keyboard in the background when this thing happened. It's a spot where Aaron climbs the top of a ladder, and he's trying to have a swanton dive, whatever splash it was, but he totally messes up, and you move out of the way, and Aaron landed on his head. Vodnir broke his neck. You know, it's one of the sickest things, I think, that ever happened in AWF other than John, which is a.k.a. Snake, getting powerbombed through a flaming table. <laughs> but when he landed on his head, I think you rolled over and got the pinfall, but it's one of the craziest things. Aaron got so much praise for being hardcore. I've always heard you freaking hate it when I made that comment, but hey, set the rumor straight. You know, is it true or not true? What's your memories about the whole scenario? And what did you think when you saw Aaron coming down and his head landed? You had to freaking hear the impact of it, though. When I saw I got freaking queasy by it. Like, my first thought was, how is Aaron walking right now? But what was that your was thought process in the whole situation? All right, so let's begin by setting the record straight. Uh, he still ended up winning the match via he was able to use his uh, pixelator. Um, so that oh, he was, did win the match? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he still won that match. Um, what it was is this was our first, like, we had been practicing. One of the things we wanted to do is start off that, you know, we wanted to try and work out not communicating while doing, being in a match because, uh, you know, we saw each other clicking in the ring. And one of the times where we failed on that was right there. And we still talk about it to this day. We still laugh and talk about it. Um, what it was is uh, he had made the notion and didn't mean to make a notion that I was supposed to move out the way. Um, and what he explained is that he was just getting, you know, he was trying to catch his balance because, again, you know, that's a pretty tall-ass ladder. Um, so when he tried to catch himself, he ended up throwing a, a signal, uh, a misinterpreted signal. And so I rolled out the way, and when I saw him land like that, oh, man, my heart sank. Yeah, that's my best friend, you know, landing and watching his head just go, oh, you know. So I can't say there was any sounds of cracking bones or anything, but, God, I would have even been more scared had that happened. Um, behind the, you know, behind the, the curtains and everything, you know, I sat with him, and, dude, I was, I was scared for him, you know, uh, when we went back to uh, my place, uh, we sat up and I made sure he stayed up that entire night in case he had a concussion or something. 
Yeah, that was we were scared for him. I was just like when Chris I was I don't think I was day up to today when Chris was so many video footage that night when I got off work, I said, How is this man walking? And Chris, I think we were we were talking about doing a war ceremony, which my guy was got into the day, we never never completed it, but I know for a fact, you know, decision, he won the holy shit award, you know. It's like oh my one of those things where you just like Golly, it, it reminded me of what Brock Lesnar did to Kurt Angle when he totally missed that shooting star press slam and he landed on his face. It was that exact same kind of sick feeling, you know, but wow, unbelievable, though. But, you know, we made a comment saying that Aaron's got to be one of the toughest guys out there, though. Did you have some animosity about that? those comments that were being made? Uh, if you can, re-express uh, the comments. Something about I can't remember specifically what you said. I think you're making references that you hurt your ribs one time. You're wrestling, your rib bone shaking out, and you kind of felt like that was getting overlooked. But Aaron was getting so much praise at the time, and you may not have been getting much praise as far as hardcore goes. You felt like you might, I don't know if you felt like you were being overlooked or overshadowed. But uh, any truth to those rumors? Like I said, I never heard you say it specifically. It's one of those things where I get told by other people. You know, yeah, you get that a lot, especially you know we were all young adults. Rumors get spread fast. Um, the oh, problem, what yeah. the problem that I was having was I was getting in thrown into hardcore matches when I technically was you know trying to stay steer away from that, minus you know a couple of events with uh, Ghosties. And the, the problem was is I had sustained a uh, a rodeo incident or uh, a rodeo mm-hmm. injury a lot lot you know a lot sooner. Uh, before I joined AWF, back when I was 14, I was on a bull and I got tossed off the bull and caught in the ropes under him. And it ended up catching my ribs. So it, I was, you know, still trying to, you know, work with that, still trying to pressure with that. And I didn't really want to try and push myself to that kind of limit, uh, which is also one of the reasons I ended up ultimately not being able to progress my character, you know, in any per- specific direction. Um, but yeah, the biggest issue was uh, I didn't really want to jump into the hardcore matches except to show, you know, kind of prove my rivalry with Aaron saying, hey, I'm better than you kind of deal. Um, but no, I, I definitely saw Aaron as the, the more capable hardcore guy. Definitely. Wow, man, that's a pretty humble response, man. That's pretty awesome. But let's talk about your character a little bit. Now, Midnight, where does Midnight come from? What made you decide to call yourself Midnight? Well, Midnight actually comes uh, from my actual real-life nickname. Um, back when I would have to say I was about 16, 17, I ended up trying my hand at writing uh, a storybook. Failed completely at it because I was just unmotivated to finish it. I ended up getting like two chapters in. But the main story of the character was named Midnight. Um, and this actually comes from an even, uh, an even more, not ancient, uh, older story which was, I was like six, seven years old, and I was staying over at my dad's house. Uh, my dad and mom were divorced, so you know I still had to do the visitation thing with them, and I was on vacation. Well, it was a summer vacation, and my older brother, Seth, which uh, there's like two videos where you know he got to knock the crap out of me. <laughs> oh boy, he yeah. all talks about that. Um, but either way, he was trying to dye his hair black. Well, me, being seven or six, seven, I had no clue what hair dye was and tried to dye my hair too. But rather than taking the same precautions he did, uh, I ended up getting it all over my bra- uh, my body. So he ended up calling me Little Midnight. Um, originally, it was spelled with a G H M I D N I G H T E, 
or not E, sorry, I apologize. Um, but I ended up uh, playing a lot of video games that c- wouldn't let me put all that in there. So I ended up shortening it and it just stuck. M-I-D, N-I-T-E. And it just, it's been like that since. Uh, what can I say? I'm, I'm a big gamer. Sweet, sweet. Hey, man, I just thought about this, though. There was another wrestler. Uh, we don't kids have to talk about him much for other reasons, but I'm, I'm going to say the hell with that crap. Um, there's another guy that you were compared to. Guy came in with Abwa. I'm assuming you guys were friends. I mean, I'm, I'm always assuming you guys were. I haven't heard of different, but he he wrestled under the name of the Antichrist, David Christopher. Now, he was a guy me and him locked up with, and I've always felt like me and him had three or four really good matches, some brutal matches. I've always enjoyed working with him. I hated the fact that – I always told Christopher, I hated the fact that you know, Survivor Payne at midnight that he can't chance to have a couple one on one matches because I had something with David Christopher. This I I felt the chemistry and I felt like he was really trying to one up me. I was trying to one up him and me, me and him did very well together. But you guys had some pretty good matches too. What's some of your memories and thoughts of the Antichrist, David Christopher? Sorry about that. Kind of, <laughs> I got a baby uh, in the background. He's he's going crazy. Um, as far as David Christopher is concerned, it's a lot of my concern with him. I actually was, I can't say I was as close to him as I was Kevin, Fluffy, or uh, David. But what I can say is that, you know, he, he just could not focus on, uh, you know, wrestling. He ended up doing a lot of shady stuff in the background. And I think he was using it more for the popularity amongst the, the, the crowd that we were starting to get. And he was using that for, you know, more inappropriate purposes. And, you know, really? and we, yeah, we really tried to talk to him about it. Like uh, Bobby sat him down uh, again, you know, uh, she's kind of like our mom. Uh, we all call her our mom. But uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. sat down and talked to him for about a good hour or so trying to explain to him, hey, look, this is not a good route for you. You know, stick with the boys, wrestle, you know. And he just, he, he wouldn't stay focused. He wanted to. He wanted to be in there and he wanted to do the wrestling and you could see that, you know, he had the talent and he just, he threw it all away. And, you know, I just, I don't know. It's a hard exactly it away, huh, you talk, you're referring to when he had the thing that got him in trouble with, 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 with Joe or is this something else? Uh, it was actually something else entirely. And I can't say that it's, uh, you know, my business to be discussing over. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I just want to make sure we, we, we talk about the same thing. That's fine. Yeah. Mm. He did keep his head in the game. Yeah, you know, he did keep his head in the game. And unfortunately, you know, everything that happened to him, he kind of brought on himself. But it's one of those things where I was hoping we could have steered him in the right direction. Just, just didn't work out that way. Um, Some people AWF did a show in 2009. It was a very, very good show. Uh, we didn't do a whole lot of these, but you know, a tragedy did happen. I think it was what was his name, Chris Jordan Seal. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a more shows. What was what was your memory about that show? And, and anything you want to talk about with Jordan about Jordan? Oh man, I wish I could have gotten to know Jordan so much more. Me and him had literally clicked the first time we met. Uh, the very first time I met Jordan, I was actually hanging out with Jeremy. And Jeremy brought yeah. me over to his house. And Jordan's over on the couch. And he's got, a, uh, he's got you know, at the time, wireless keyboards were like a big thing. But he's got a wireless keyboard and a wireless mouse. And he's over on the other side of the house playing World of Warcraft on this giant TV. 
And I, I'm just looking at him like in amazement because at the time I played a bunch of World of Warcraft. Oh, yeah. Game oh, yeah. Gamer. Oh, yeah. Uh, either way, we just sat down and talked for like two hours. And I feel bad because I completely ignored Jeremy during this. Uh, but me and him clicked so well. And I just really wish I got to know him more. I actually went to the funeral when it, uh, when it happened to try and provide support as a family friend. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I got to know Jeremy's family really well. And it, that tragedy, when that tragedy struck, it, you know, uh, I can't say I felt as bad as the family, but it, it really did hurt hard, you know. Um, so I was more than happy to do anything I could for the family to try and ease that pain and ease that burden. Um, yeah. When you are, I remember seeing you there. Do you know what match you wrestled at at the Jordan Seal Memorial Show? I, to be honest, I can't wholly remember. I'm, I'm sorry, my memory is still a little foggy. No, you're fine. Dude. You're fine. I can't remember who might have been there too. Um, but I definitely, I think you might remember this guy. You know, he's going through some hard times right now, Paul. He, you know, he's had a couple of suicide attempts, and he, man, he, he is having the worst, worst of luck right now. And everybody around him is trying to help him. But during this time period. You guys and base my thought, an incredible rivalry, a very, very David versus Goliath story, Midnight versus Wolfguard. Now had some good matches for the Georgia Southerns last North American Championship, but what are some of your memories of working with a big man like Wolfguard? Who's taking some big power bonds from him? And, yep. you know, he took some good moves from you, too. What's some of your memories of working with Wolfguard? I got to say, I appreciate Wolfgar because that put me in a whole new, uh, you know, it put me in a whole new slew of stuff. Uh, this was actually before mine and Don's uh, thing. So, you know, this was my first, uh, you know, this was my first uh, attempt at trying to do anything with uh, a heavier, you know, weighted guy. Um, and he was, he was cool about it. You know, uh, we were both still, uh, as I would call it, plebs. So we were still just, you know, trying to get our moves straight, trying to, figure things out and we you know uh, he worked really well with me and i you know again have to appreciate him for it um there were there were a couple of spots where communication could have definitely have gone better in our matches uh, especially uh during our lockups um you know but most of that was just due to you know we were still new to the game we were still new to wrestling and we were still just trying to you know work out our our chains and everything like that uh, that was definitely in the time period where uh chaining was part of our practices Right, right. Well, there's actually a rumor in the window question here about Wolfgar. Now, Christopher, help me out here if I'm wrong here. But the rumor is that Wolfgar talks to Siri, hey, Paul's not selling for me. He's not selling for me. What do I do? How do I handle that? And he's like, if he's not selling for you, you make him sell. Shoot on him. Now, Christopher, is there any truth to that rumor? That I mentioned you that rumor too, or? I think that may have taken place backstage at one point, but I'm not really sure when. Actually, I can go ahead and I can go ahead and squash that now for you. Uh, what that was is actually a beef that we ended up hashing out backstage. Uh, what uh -huh. it was is uh, it was actually a little bit reverse, uh, and that was simply the uh, it was Wolfgar not able to take my shot, and the reason why is he actually you know he had a good approach to it. You know he's a bigger guy, and I'm a smaller dude, so he shouldn't take my shot. Um, so, you know, I ended up completely understanding that. And that's where we ended up hashing out our problem backstage. Um, so, again, you know, I, I definitely got to thank him for that. And, you know, the opportunity to, 
you know, yeah, if you're a small guy and you walk up to this big guy and try, you know, hit him square in the chest, come on. Is he going to move? Nah. Nah. Yeah, and a lot of that was a lot, you know, still during my rebellious phase where I was like, well, you still need to take my shot, you know, and he's a big guy. He didn't need to take that shot. You know, the shots he needed to be taking were my full shots, you know, my full body, you know, when I put my full body into it, when I was reversing his body moves, you know, that should have been, you know, the shots that he took. Um, And he, you know, after uh, a few practices, uh, we ended up like going, uh, I remember going over to his house a couple of times. We actually practiced in his yard, like uh, I believe four or five times. Uh, He kind of lived across from me. So it was really simple. Um, but yeah, we'd practice in his yard for a little bit while, you know, we learned to take each other's shots and stuff like that. And, you know, we were able to smooth things out at the end and I, you know, I, I got to give him some props for that. Good deal. Good deal, man. Like I said, you guys did have some good matches. I personally enjoyed all those matches. You guys worked, worked together and everything. Um, now I'm going to talk about these kind of scenarios here. There's another there's another rumor. I, I, I'm going to ask you this. I know you are friends with Glenn Bell. Okay, I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep asking this question to everybody I've ever encountered to try to get to the real truth. Because no one's really talking about it. It was a match that happened between Justin Chambers, or it might be known as Freewell at the time. I can't quite remember. The JC, the Georgia boy, the Georgia boy. Yep. Uh, so anyway. Yeah, you know, CJ Winston we're talking about. It was a matchup for the North American Championship against Glenn Bell. Okay, Glenn Bell was supposed to win the title back. You know, remember it was, it was all backstage. Got Will Kemp asking CJ, are you sure to put me over? Are you sure to put me over? CJ finally says, yes, no, one more time, I'm not going to put you over. You know what the hell that? I'm not putting you over. I'm going over. And I'm kind of looking at CJ here. I'm like, dude, Will's winning the match today. Oh, I know, Bill, I'm just playing. Basically, the match goes out there, and all of a sudden, instead of Will winning the belt, CJ pins Will. Now, rumor was that CJ tells Will, you took this week down, you worded anything, I'll make sure you never wrestle again, or I'll pick the crap flavor, or something like that, you know. So I'm asking, I'm asking everybody's got different opinions about it. What's your opinion? Do you think that really happened, or supposedly Will got hurt and he couldn't kick out, you know? I'm kind of curious. Do you remember that match? You know what we're talking about here? I actually do remember that match, and I do remember Will coming back from that really, really depressed. Like uh, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't actually let us in on what was going on. You know, like I said, we were a close band of brothers. We still are, you know. I yeah. still try and talk yeah. to him despite our distance. Um, but something happened that day, and I'm not sure quite what happened. But I know that me, Aaron, and Kevin were, you know, we were extremely appalled by what happened. You know, because we were all told, okay, he's supposed to, you know, he's supposed to win this, and this was. Will's big push. This was supposed to be the first title yes, he had won. This was I was furious because I actually time. submitted when I was a North American champion. I submitted to Will by ink a lot, you know. Then they have doing a tag match where Demon and Will took it on Chris and CJ. CJ gets the pinfall for Will, but the next month Will's supposed to get his belt back. This was supposed to be his big singles push, and I was just like. Uh, Paul, what the hell happened? CJ says, I don't know. We'll take kick out. And I've always believed that either CJ threatened him or legitimately tried to hurt him. I never could get a straight answer out of Will. You know, I, I we couldn't get a straight answer out of him either. Uh, one of the things I did actually see, and I can confirm, is that he was asking, you know, uh, he was asking CJ a lot. Are you sure you want me to go over? Um, but part of that's pertained to, you know, uh, Will has a different mindset than a lot of us. He is, 
you know, he's concerned for people a lot more than most other people. And it's, it's one of the shining uh, features of Will is, you know, having that pure love for, you know, just other people. And, you know, he, he was genuinely worried that maybe he wasn't ready. Maybe he wasn't, you know, prepared to take on something like that. Um, and we all pushed him to, you know, go ahead, jump into it, jump into it. Um, I'm not sure if anything actually did go down between him and CJ, where CJ may have threatened him or told him even, if you ask me that one more time, you won't. Because um, most of us were trying to get prepped into our own matches. This was the time where, you know, we were still we were still young. We were still trying to get our movesets in and, you know, we, you know, a lot of us were just trying to get our own matches down, Pat, talking with each other. Um, you know, so most of this was just stuff we saw on the fly. Well, you know, you know, no, 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 you're fine, bro. You're fine, bro. All right. Um, um, you know, Chris, I guess it's one of those things, man, we may never really truly know the answer to this, are we? Probably not. Yeah, I've I've heard it so many different ways. I was just I was like, uh, I guess the only two really wouldn't know if they ever come out clean would be Will and CJ. My personal opinion, I I kind of feel like CJ, you know, did not want to put Will over personally. That's just my opinion, you know. Um, but you know, let's talk about Flipper here a little bit here. Your Glenn Bell, you know, he was a polished wrestler. He took a long way. He, he he's uh he's been up and down the road. But what's some of your favorite memories of wrestling with Glenn Bell and Alba and in AWL? All right, in Alba, I'm going to start with the skateboard. I have never been more scared of somebody in my life. I ended up, uh, Oh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. But, uh, no problem. Uh, but either way, it was an Apple match that was based uh, based behind the the old Grovetown Elementary School. Uh, I've also heard that that's gone now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's now. Oh, uh, I went to school there. But either way, the, the school actually allowed us uh, the school actually allowed us to wrestle behind there. Uh, granted that nobody you know no hospital was called or anything like that. Otherwise, they didn't want to be liable. Um, but since I did go to school, the, the, you know, they had no problem letting us go back there and do our thing, considering, uh, my, my house was like right next door. Um, but either way, there was an Apple match, uh, between me and Will where, uh, it was uh, no holds bar. You could grab up any weapon you wanted. And me, well, at that time I was a little gothic kid with all my trip pants and chains. And I ended up hitting him in the face with the chains and, you know, I bloodied his face a little and he just went into a rampage. Uh, he ended up grabbing up this kid's skateboard and threw it at me. And I remember just ducking out of, Oh man, it was literally, if I wouldn't have moved that millisecond sooner, I would have had a skateboard to the face. Um, and I had never been more scared of one of my brothers in my life. And then he went and rushed over to the skateboard and just chased me around the, uh, the schoolyard with it. And I just remember, you know, Dang, this guy's got to calm down. So I remember that happening, and sooner or later he ended up wearing himself out where I was able to win the match, but it was definitely a match to remember in Abla. Um, as far as AWF is concerned, I that when me and Fluffy actually got to go in, this is right after we were you know nice and polished. We had gotten everything straight. Uh, me and Wolfgar were, uh, we had just gotten done with our, our matchups and everything. 
Um, I got to I got to actually go into a match with Will Fluffy. Um, I'm just going to call him. But uh, he was beautiful with his chains, so beautiful, and he sold so well, so well. Um, he didn't oversell. He didn't undersell. Uh, he could have worked on his rope, uh, you know, his rope lingering because a lot of it was he stayed on the ropes a little bit too much. Um, like when you threw him into the ropes, you know, you could kind of kind of tell by looking back at the videos that he, he needed a little bit of work on it but everything else was just so gorgeous and he had his own slams had his own charisma about his moves and to me that's what makes a wrestler is you know being confident in your move set and he was confident and i love that about him there was um but that, I, I agree with what you said there's um one time i remember i remember um, I'm not 100% sure if you remember. I don't know the whole scenario, but the only one weird time where I felt like Survivor Pain at Midnight was about to have a legit shoot match, real fight, you just got done beating Will. And I, I felt like he kind of took it too far. I don't really know him watching this fight. Can I throw Will out? And Will's kind of working fine. I remember jumping in the ring, and I was kind of calling you out right there and hey, come try that on me. Start getting this, you know, theory. Start cussing me out, took me to back off. My wife was cussing out, telling me to do it. And I remember cussing about what Stabby was, Will starts crying. I'm kind of like, okay. But I don't know. I don't even know the post-race why Will was crying. I've heard, obviously, female issues. But what really happened in that shoot match, if you remember or not? Back, I mean, that was, you told that, other not to take it easy. Do I know? Uh, you know how uh, I, expl- I explained how me and Aaron, you know, we tried our, you know, our best not to actually communicate in the ring, but just go off. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. the same case, me and Fluffy would look at each other and be like, yo, let's just go at this. Let's just have some fun and beat the hell out of each other. Um, you know, let's make it look real enough to actually screw with people. Um, and a few, a few people were able to cut them all with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things that we definitely wanted to do is show, Hey, look, we're Abba still. Um, so we got to make this look a little bit realer than, you know, AWF, uh, no, no offense, but we no, definitely no wanted to, you know, we wanted to lay into each other. So our punches ended up really real. His slams were actually real. Um, of course there was a little bit of, uh, of a timeline there to where, uh, hey, look, man, go ahead and throw me down, you know, slam me. But those slams were genuine. Uh, that clothesline choked the hell out of me. I actually had to take a second on the ground to catch my breath. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clo- uh, I said clothesline, not choke slam, right? Well, either way, uh, when he clothesline on me, it actually knocked me in the throat. Uh, so uh, that ended up catching me. So a lot of our, a lot of that match between me and him was actually genuine. Um, we actually ended up beating the hell out of each other. We actually had to sit at home for a few days just to rest up. <laughs> His leg was fucked up. My arm was fucked up. Uh, and I had to stop smoking cigarettes for a few days. Right, right. Um, let's move forward a little bit here. Um, I might need Christopher's help real quick. I got to do a funeral escort, but um, when the asshole was like Dill Cheryl, now I'm not calling Jaron Cruz an asshole, but he was there in the situation. All of a sudden, started training. All of a sudden, started training. 
training you guys. What was your thought process when you guys were getting trained by guys like CJ, by guys like Dale Sherrill, and those type of some type of guys who claim they can get you guys to the top? What were some of your memories of getting hazed? So let's face it, oh. and, and wrestling had a lot of hazing, especially on rookies. Yeah, that is actually a legit concern. See, where Charlie Anarchy was really, you know, he was really pro about, you know, making sure that we got our wrestling on both sides. Dell was, uh, at, uh, he was adamant about trying to get us into his system and completely leaving everybody else. Um, and that's one of the things that we really, really just kind of pushed us off. Uh, and for the record, we literally did not answer him. Like, we didn't give him an answer. We just waited until he invited us to each event. <laughs> um, because we still wanted our wrestling, but we didn't like the way he was approaching it. You know, he, he was approaching us as we were. You know, and we knew that we were rookies, but come on. There's a little bit of respect you got to toss into the ring there. You know, and it's even explained on uh, some of the WWE shows you watch. Not the actual wrestling shows, but the, um, the one where they're training people. You know, there's a respect in the ring you got to give. And they they just weren't giving it. Um, and although uh, I remember Aaron and Kevin, they still wanted to keep going, and they did end up keep going, and they were able to get into a couple of indie shows. So you know, I gotta respect that. But as far as what it did to Abwa, it, it ended up causing uh, kind of a confusion. I wouldn't say a separation, but a confusion amongst Abwa because some of us didn't want to follow in, you know, the whole Dale thing. Uh, some of us specifically wanted to train under the professor, which is the guy we were cool with. Dell was, uh, I'll be honest, he was kind of a dick. Um, Slinky, well, Slinky's an asshole, but he's okay with that. We're okay with that. <laughs> um, but the professor, he actually genuinely didn't want us to, he, he actually uh, informed us, hey guys, don't go anywhere. All right, stay with Abboy, keep training with Abboy, so that way you guys get as much practice in as possible. And that's something I definitely got to give the professor respect for. Um, because he actually told us, look, don't follow Dale. Dale is a bad pass to take. And I, I, I definitely got to appreciate that about him. Um, but as far as Dale is concerned, he had the moves, he has the wrestling gimmick and he had the ability to train us. Now, what he wanted us to do is completely forget about everything that we had learned and try to, you know, practice new. And I don't think any of us were just able or ready to do that, especially after so much time that we put in learning. Um, so that's what ended up being that whole downfall. Hey, Although uh, I think that hey, Jay Stone... Yeah. Hey, Chris, can you take over for a couple of minutes? I'm still here. I just let to do an escort with you. Okay. All right, so he went with, the, he went with Dale Sherrill. So let me throw a question out there pertaining to that era. Uh, you remember the whole invasion with the, with uh, Dale Sherrill, Jeremy Cruz, the new era versus AWF, right before we had what was one of our big events, which was, um, oh, what was it called? It's where we let the fans get involved with the uh, total fan carnage. You remember that event? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, go ahead, because it should be nice and lengthy. Give your thoughts on that whole invasion angle with the new era, which was basically the independent wrestlers versus AWF, which was this cohesive unit of basically misfits. 
what was your opinion on uh, that whole scenario at that time? Well, I can honestly say that it was a massive fuck fest. All right. Uh, don't mean to actually use the term so belligerently, but there was a lot of confusion there because, see, what, is that, uh, what I was seeing was uh, the AW, AWF board was trying to get this situated, and then you had the independents saying, no, this is going to happen, and nothing ended up actually getting done. There were no storylines being ran, and we ended up having to cut a lot of our storylines that AWF itself was running short, so that way we can get this done. And I, I can honestly say that uh, I think that's the era of time where I ended up actually having to say, you know, my life is a little bit more important than this confusion. Um, so it, there was definitely a lot of confusion. There was definitely a lot of hostility there, uh, especially when Dell uh, made his appearance there. Um, it's, it was a really sad time because there was a lot of the independent wrestlers that I have to respect. And I, I've come to enjoy as friends, uh, Slinky and Professor being two of them. Um, with that said, uh, you know, I definitely could have seen a lot of improvement as far as, you know, the way things were being ran at that time. All right. Uh, Now, right around that era, after that took place, there was a moment where Abwa actually reunited against these guys. Do you remember that? And what were your, um, reactions to it? And what was your feelings during that match? Well, actually, one of the things that was being discussed, uh, it was uh, a talk amongst us dudes, uh, and we were like, well, if we can, you know, if storylines are being pushed out, well, why not say, hey, look, if there's anybody who can take out these guys, it's the guy, it's, it's the roughnecks, it's the ones that don't really play by the rule. You know, since uh, since the, the indie guys were coming in acting like big shits, the idea was, well, Abwa isn't a big shit, they just don't give a fuck. So the idea was, you know, don't give a fuck versus it's kind of like the immovable object versus the industry. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Unstoppable for force versus immovable object kind of deal. And that's what we wanted to try and push out. It's just, again, you know, there were so many chiefs and not enough Indians that nothing was able to get done. Right. And, and on top of that, since we're on that subject, what were your initial thoughts on AWF management, the board of directors? And uh, if you could go on a, you go as a whole or you can go through the individuals. It doesn't really matter. But what was your personal thoughts and opinions on how things were being ran? Well, I can honestly say one of my opinions, uh, at least back then, is that they should have definitely thrown in, you know, when Abel went into AWF, they should have thrown one of us on the board that way, you know, we could actually manage, uh, you know, the Abel crew because all of us were, we stuck together like white on rice for the longest time. Uh, And the fact that AWF board was, you know, they didn't really want an Apple member on the board because we weren't talented enough or what, you know, whatever it might've been. I'm not quite sure, nor at uh, this time, you know, am I so worried about it, but it would have definitely been an improvement in a way to be able to communicate a lot better with the Apple members and, you know, us Paul, brothers. I'm going to cut you out there. Christopher, was that ever discussed with us about bringing an Apple guy? It was, it or, was brought uh, up uh, and it was shot down immediately by, uh, I think um, if I remember 
it was CJ, it was Jay saying that they didn't have enough experience to run the promotion, and we just kind of like, well, okay. Well, hey, our mom, and didn't I say we should have at least a representative? Someone like we couldn't get all their complaints at one time. We should at least have a representative from Apple with their issues that we can handle with one person first ten. If I may, um, what ended up happening is rather than oh. What ended up happening is rather than actually electing us into a board position, uh, I ended up elected as the champion of ABWA. And although I technically was no champion since Kevin had soundly defeated me in the six in the head tournament, um, it just ended up being part of that whole storyline that I was, you know, the champion of ABWA. Um, so that's, you know, as high as we got as far as being having any sort of pull in anything. Um, and I, like I said, I just felt that there could have been a lot more that could have been done there. All right. So any other, um, thoughts or opinions on AWF as a whole to you? What does it hold to you? Well, I definitely got to say that there is always going to be a big place in my heart for AWF because they allowed me to tell, you know, I can now tell my kids, hey, your daddy was a wrestler back in the time. So when they watch WWE or something like that, and they're like, oh, look at that guy, you know, daddy can be like, yeah, he, he was able to do something like that too. And that will always hold a place in my heart. And all the friendships that I was able to make there, all the all the crowd pops that got my heart thumping, you know, all that will always have that special spot in my uh, in my heart. And as far as AWF is concerned, we did our absolute best to continue to progress forward. I mean, come on, we we went from what was it, a barn with hay, then we went to a barn with a semi ring, and after we got kicked out of the barn, that didn't stop us. No, we were a train that did not stop us. We went straight to Jay's house, went to his backyard, and crafted ourselves a freaking ring. All right, and when that you know, when that ran out, we ended up finding ourselves a legit ring and we took care of that ring. Like it was our baby. You know, we kept going. All right. We didn't stop. And that's something that you just, you know, you don't see every day. A lot of people, when the, when times get tough, a lot of people will just stop and they'll go on this whole soul searching mission. That's not what we did. We said, screw this. We're going to keep going forward. We're going to keep making something of this thing. And we literally pushed it as far as it could possibly go. And that's just something that you don't see every day. And it's always going to be something that I'll always remember for the rest of my life. That's outstanding. I don't know if uh, Bill is able to hear that one or not. I can um, hear you. I just tell you. <laughs> okay. Ask one more question, Chris, and I'll get back in. All right. So let's go ahead and jump out of AWF and jump into the independence because you did have a few shows on the independence scene. Uh, would you go ahead and touch on those and uh, your memories on them? All right. Um, well, I can honestly say I did not have as min as much of an independency as uh, Aaron or Kevin or even Fluffy um, and Jay Stone, for that matter. Uh, my independence ended up being more so at uh, VF BWF or VFW mm -hmm. or wait, Voltage Wrestling, um, Charlie Anarchy's uh, wrestling show. And I, I, I can honestly say I really enjoyed it. I got to take a new spin on a completely different character that I only had like five minutes to make up. And what, uh, what ended up happening there was uh, when he presented us that, you know, hey, look, the show's about to start. You guys can't use the characters you had in AWF. I want completely new characters. 
me, Aaron, and Kevin looked at each other in shock. And the next thing that happened was hilarious. All of a sudden, Aaron ripped his clothing, and Kevin followed straight suit. And I took up, uh, I took up the the ripped up pieces and turned it into like this this mannequin thing. And I was literally asking audio, uh, the people backstage, "Hey, do you have any black lipstick or uh, eyeliner?" And I finally ended up getting some uh, eyeliner, so I, I made myself a little marionette face and grabbed like some random string on the ground, and I was like, "Ta-da! I'm a marionette!" And apparently, it just worked. Uh, animated violence uh, was Aaron and Kevin's little tag team, and everybody seemed to love that because they they were able to let loose and. You know, when you get to see Aaron and Kevin let loose and just start joking and having fun, everybody's going to have a laugh and everybody's going to enjoy it. And the fact that, uh, you know, they were able to implement a marionette me uh, into their little gimmick was just absolutely funny. And, you know, uh, out of picking all the songs, uh, it was that was actually the hardest part of it because we had to pick a theme song on top of this. And it just so happened, Cradle of Phil's Swan Song for a Raven was the perfect thing. And the kids absolutely loved it. Like, out of all the crowd pops I've ever gotten, having those kids cheer for me was just something that put a smile on my face. Because uh, there was a lot of kids at that event, I'll be honest with you. And they just all loved the idea of this wrestling puppet. Um, but I would have to say that would, you know, that was my only outside indie experience. And I definitely got to say, I, I really did enjoy it. It was it was fun. All right, boss man, I'm back on here, man. Hey, Chris, I appreciate that, dude. I heard everything that you said, and I gotta say, man, this is not the Paul Quinn that I freaking remember, dude. You have really matured a lot, man. I definitely appreciate all your answers and everything. But um, um actually. Uh, I can also denote a lot of that to a place that uh, a lot of the AWF, uh, AWF members and the indie wrestlers have gotten to visit. And that's a place actually not so far away from you guys, known as Eastland. They were able to help me with a lot of my problems and able to help me humble myself a little bit. And that really helped me turn my life around. Uh, I went from, I can't say zero to hero because I, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm no hero. <laughs> Um, but I was definitely able to become a better man that way. Um, so I definitely want to give a shout out to Eastman while we're in this podcast. <laughs> awesome, brother. Awesome, brother. Well, dude, I hope one day to get you back on the shootout podcast and you can continue on some more stories here. I got a lot more questions I wanted to ask, but I'm going to end this podcast now. I got to get back to my other shift, but um, sometimes how I end my podcast shows, I'm going to say certain wrestlers' names to you. Or if the English name to you, you just tell me your first thoughts you have of them. You know. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. Here we go, man. First person I'm gonna ask you, Chris Dickens. Broken. <laughs> I love it. That is perfect. You know me too well. I knew you'd know me so well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man. Oh man. Jason the Georgia boy. Jason Chambers, CJ Went, wherever you want to know him at. What's your thoughts extra. on him? That would be the word that comes to mind. Extra. He was really extra. Wow. Any uh interesting memory about him? Did y'all ever work together in a ring or did he ever get I'm a inside training or 
Well, I think we had a match once. Uh, it, it, oof, that was forever ago. Actually, when we had the disc camera uh, that we were able to work with, uh, um, I can't honestly give you a full detail. I think it was just, you know, it was just an average match. Uh, I, I can't really, nothing, nothing memorable came from that, uh, to be honest with you. I just remember him. Every everything he did was uh, very extra. Is the best way I, I can see. express. Wow, that's definitely uh, Chris Cooper. from oh, that's a first, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Don't refer to CJ as extra. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> HTB Kevin Matthews. Kevin Matthews. Or Shane Matthews. Kevin Matthews. Yeah, Kevin Matthews. Uh, whew, it's over nine thousand. <laughs> Prime time, Tim Sanders. Oh man, uh, the actual Georgia boy. Wow, maybe South Carolina. He was a Georgia boy at heart, even more so than wow. you know Georgia boy. <laughs> That's awesome. I love you for that. Mass Fury, the guy that wore a mask. Now Russell is Christian Fury. Enigma. Wow. I didn't get re- I didn't really get to wrestle with him. So what I did see, he did. Uh, there wasn't really a, a set move set he had. Um, he uh-huh. seemed to use a lot of powerhousing moves, but for the most part, you know, it was it, he didn't have a set storyline. He was just there, so he was an enigma. Enigma is what I'm going to go with. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, there's another wrestler that he's been compared to his entire career. I mean, it's amazing how close these really guys are as far as their styles or whatnot. But what was your opinion of Shane? Say again? Shane? <laughs> Shane, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for the extra clothing. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would like to say between him and Relic, I was able to actually upgrade my attire. So it is actually thank you for the clothing. So it's actually <laughs> genuine. Um, you know, I still have my pair of uh, pirate wrestling pants sitting up in my closet. Um, amazingly, that's actually the only thing I still hold on to from the AWF days, unfortunately. But it was because of him and Relic uh, handing down their attire to me uh, that I was able to build into my attire and actually make my character actually you know, look decent. <laughs> oh my lord! Oh yeah, my god! I kind of follow up with that one. Um, um, <laughs> Don Brown, Night Stalker. Hmm. Great chaining. He, he was definitely a great chainer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I, I just I, 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 survivor of pain. Roar! That's that's the word I'm going to go that, with. That, that that just sums you up to a T there. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> when you were on the show, that you were yelling, you were always right there. Oh, I'm going to die, man. Somebody, somebody, okay, all on these Cheerios. <laughs> all right, all on it. All on it, you know. Were you ever scared to get in the ring with me? Uh, I actually was not afraid to get into the ring with uh, anybody. Uh, I was always looking forward to, you know, uh, you know, showing up. Hey, you're going into the ring with this guy today. 
or, hey, you're going to do this with this guy today. It was actually always a fun thing to actually get to figure out who I was going to be facing. So can't honestly say I would have been scared to go into the ring with anybody. Um, you know, it, if we had ever had to got, uh, have a match together, it would have probably been a great match, and I would have probably had a lot of fun with it, as I did with I a lot of the matches there. I, wish, I really wish we could have. I've been told by so many people that, um, not you personally, but um, – Dang, Chris is telling her, like I could, like I could didn't want to get in the ring with me. So, but, well, I can so, definitely say that uh, it wasn't Abba. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Abba. That was the one of the half trained indie guys that thought they were special. Actually, one of my favorite Literally. memories of your matches would have been you and Clowney going to get uh, going against each other. That was actually pretty fun to watch. It was. Uh, you and Clowney, Andy. Oh, yeah. I did have fun messing with him. That kid had a lot of heart. Well, hey, hey, yep. hey, speaking of, uh, speaking of Clowney, man, what's your favorite memories of him? Oh, he man. Just, talk about him that much. I'm hoping to get him on the show one day. But, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with him, dude. He was, uh, I love the fact that, uh, he beat Chris Diggins and he beat Andy Taylor in, in, in the AWS style real match. I thought that was hilarious. Well, to be the only person to go out, all out and go as crazy, excuse me, go as crazy as somebody can get in the ring, he 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 nailed it. He freaking nailed it. Every chance he got to be on that uh, on the video camera, he was doing something insane, something crazy. Whether it's bleeding your ears out because he's laughing too hard, or whether it's because he just comes out with one fucked up weapon and just decides to say, "Okay, this is going to be my weapon for the match." <laughs> I always, so, thought he was better. I always thought he was better than Keith Medjur, the imitation of the Joker. I mean, he was incredible. Um, well, although he did take a lot of things from the Joker, Andy just is, has that kind of personality, and that's one of the reasons I call him my little brother. Yeah, I immediately took a great liking to him. He wasn't afraid to lock out with me. He wasn't afraid to take any of my moves. And, and we had some pretty good matches together, but... Speaking of uh, him, there's a dark thing that happened. I really like to address it when Christopher mentioned AWS total fan carnage. There was a situation that Andy got put into um, with Billy Johnson. Billy Johnson was some reason was thinking when he would hit him, he would be laughing. Johnson took that evil to selling, but he purposely tried to hurt Andy in the ring. And I caught a lot of evil guys to have one. You guys are moving. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, well, Andy was the one that actually calmed us all down. Believe it or not, it was Andy saying that he could take it, you know, and it still didn't hurt him that much. So when he did actually knock the hell out of Andy, Andy's used to it. I mean, come on. He's actually one of our hardest members in, uh, in Abwa. Like I could, I could claim to be the champion, but that's because I know a, a few good, you know, struggle submissions that they just can't get out of. Um, but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, my favorite people in Abla would have to be Aaron and Andy. That's because when they have a match, they go all out. I mean, if you were to look at pictures of the Sick in the Head tournament, they were the only ones that come out of that bloody as hell. Yes, they were. I remember the particular. I know, Grant, when I first got there, I lost Joe and Angel, and I beat him in seconds, and no big deal. You know, it was, it was fun. But when I saw Aaron take part in that's when I really saw just how – uh, tough Abba really was. These guys were throwing some serious punches and serious kicks. 
Nick's, Nick's list of bleeding ends, list of freaking bleeding at some other point. Nick just just said, okay, hey, I've had enough and tapped out to Aaron, you know, and then I had a chance to lock up with Aaron. I mean, I mean, Chris Rogers told me later on, it's like, wow, Bill won the whole tournament, like, going single punch. But, you know, at the same time, though, I, I had a lot of respect for him. And I've, I've told, granted, Gardenis gets mad whenever I say this, every single happy night. Every single wrestler and alpha had more had more balls than Fury. If you don't know how many fights I've seen James back out of back there, he, he was talking to James, but he's trying to put up, he would find some excuses back out. I can honestly got one member of Alpha never backed down from a challenge. I've always had mad man respect for you guys. I had no intimidation. You guys were crazy at heart. I've always admired that. Well, that's also one of the reasons why, you know, we actually didn't do anything with the whole Billy Johnson thing is he literally laughed it off when he got back home. Uh, we ended up back home. We actually huddled about that. We were getting ready to walk our asses across Augusta and go beat the shit out of him. Uh, and Kevin was going to lead the forefront. But Andy's like, look, guys, I'm okay. <laughs> he did not hurt me. The, if that was his real punch, then he's a really shitty fighter. Um, and you know, uh, we talked a little bit you more about it. You know, that match right there got so much easier. That traveled to other promotions, even got back to one of mine, Chris's teacher, Timothy Black, when it time got started. Uh, he, uh, he owned WFJ, then he got started at WWE. He went there to have public speaking to other wrestlers, and he blackballed Billy Johnson from wrestling in IWE. If Billy Johnson came this way, if this one, the one head guy, we were all with junk in it. It tore him up, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, I think, got a lot of heat from a lot of people, but that particular situation, I don't know if you knew that or not, but, uh, I mean, of course, well, I'm happy that you guys didn't, because I feel that he would have been one of those guys that would have called the police on him. <laughs> I, I just feel like well, what I'm to is he, he was blackballed from other promotions. He eventually oh, blackballed okay. from AWL. I called Billy Johnson out. I was ready to get y'all, y'all get me in the ring with this guy, and I'm going to take care of business. You know, everybody was trying to tell me out. I was so heated. You know, and me and Billy Johnson got me going. Had words about it. I said, we're not wrestling AWF again. You know, well, I'll be honest with you. We all ended up sharing a blunt over it, and we all ended up, you know, pretty happy and, you know, laughing. Left our asses off at it. You know, he was trying to show off and show that he was better than Andy. And Andy, Andy was, you know, the man of that situation. And that's not something Andy is, you know, known for. <laughs> He's known as being right. the clown. He's known right. as being the, the jokester. So the fact that he was being a man about it when we all wanted to go, you know, fucking do that is, you know, we had to respect that. And so, you know, after, you know, again, after we ended up smoking and talking about it, it was, it was perfect. Everything was fine. Well, that's fine, uh, and, and, and that's cool. And you know, I've got a lot of respect for Andy for being a bigger person about that. You know, I mean, but at the same time, though, man, in, in pro wrestling, wrestling, we have a certain code that we all follow. We understand that shoots can happen at any given time, but you put in a situation where you put trust in someone, you deliberately trying to hurt him. It's okay. This guy ain't doing what I want him to do. Now I'm going purposely trying to hurt him. You know, yeah, we. I don't know. I'm old school type of way. You know, if I'm in a match with someone, now granted, someone's not selling to me, and you get put in a situation where you've got to defend yourself, okay, something's got to happen, then about me, sometimes things happen. And I've been involved in situations. I know Christopher has too. That actually ended up with me in a match with Jim. That was actually the only bad match I've ever had is uh, the matchup with Big Jim. 
I wasn't sure if I should or not because I had a big match. I, I had a match and I purposely hurt him. You know, but go ahead. No, I, I, I technically couldn't purposely hurt him. He was just too big. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, like he, there was there was a lot of tension with that because he was determined to make the whole uh, Dark Alliance thing work and the fact that Abwa just walked in uh, apparently right after you guys had just pulled in uh, the Dark Alliance. He was he was pretty ticked off about that and that's what ended up, you know, with him, you know, it wasn't Don, it was him going and being like, look, you guys need to join the Dark Alliance if you guys want to do anything in AWF. And although he sold some of us, uh, you know, some of us were, we didn't, we weren't deterred by it. And in fact, we were kind of, you know, insulted by it, you know. Um, one of the biggest things I, I didn't enjoy was, you know, every time that Jim was trying to talk, talk to us, it was like, I'm going to beat you. You know, you may win this match, but I'm going to beat the ever living shit out of you during it. There was no equal footing on the match or anything like that. And he made sure of that, you know, because I told him, look, I'm not going to sell these punches as, as much as you want me to. You know, that's just not, that's a bad match. And when I refused to sell a couple of shots, uh, he literally decided to body slam me with his 300 plus pound body. I was amazed. I was able to get back up and keep going. Uh, but I remember drop kicking me in the face and I felt a little bit better after it. <laughs> I actually had a match with Jill. You know, it's because of situations like that, because he ran this time, because he was trying to start so much trauma. And there was a particular time he was telling, I'm in the ring putting a promo, and he was telling Christopher and Jay that I need to get rid of Bill and Jim. I took him to step up and take charge. And then what irritated me at that moment, Jay and Christian kind of looked at each other as if they were agreeing with Jim. And I, I finally had enough. And I, I talked to DJ the next the next show, two days before match with me and Jim. And, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, if if I ever had a bad match, that would have to be the yeah, bad match. Right up there. Right up there. Hold on a second. Not a problem. Anyway, um, but no, we ended up having a match with uh with uh with Jim and um. It, it was over four minutes. I mean, I, I went out there with four inches of, uh, I'm going to shut this guy's mouth once in forever. He ain't able to black guy after the match. I mean, I'm crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. This is the normality I mean, for the shootout with Bill Blanchard these days. <laughs> all right. Oh, that's fine. Every, you know, we're all, we're all adults here, you know, and the fact he's able to put this kind of time in, even while he's working, that's respectable. So I'm okay with it. Huh? Sorry about that, guys. Not a problem. But no, I mean, I never really, really, really had serious, serious issues with him other than the fact that it was starting. He was into care. He would say some things that the people stirred up about stupid stuff. And I used to hate that about him. You know, I even missed Jeff Don on one point because of Jim. But you went, you know, realized Don wasn't one really doing it with really Jim that was really indicate a lot of stuff, especially amongst the board members we're having. You know, and the fact that they were kind of done, I mean, uh, Jim's own way was trying to take over, in my opinion. You know, we, and you know I, what? I, I actually think was in the same boat. Actually, a lot of Abel was. We actually felt that Don and Jim, you know, since the whole, you know, they were the, the, dark, the dark alliance, we kind of figured that, you know, they had a lot more communication with each other and that, you know, they knew about what the other one was doing. 
And after being able to hang out with Don, you know, outside the ring, we realized, wait, they actually don't do anything as much. But yeah, we figured out uh, that Don and Jim were two separate entities. And I think that's what ended up, you know, closing down the Dark Alliance with, you know, maybe some minor things here and there during our storylines. But I think that's what ultimately ended that is when Don found out that, you know, Jim was doing these things and he was starting this kind of stuff. And, you know, and that's another thing I respect Don for is the moment he found out about that, he made sure he went to everybody and was like, look, man, I'm me. Jim is Jim. We are two separate people just because we wrestled in the same area, you know, in the same alliance. Yeah, we, you know, we were friends doesn't mean that we're, you know, the same people. And I, I really got to, res- you know, throw another respect towards Don for that. You know, he was he was able to clarify that for a lot of us and able to clear the air for that. And it, it led to a lot of progression. It, it did. It did. It really did. I, I, uh, I uh, you know, Don did the same for us. After me and Don had a long one-on-one discussion, I was completely cool with Don. And after me and Jim, you know, had I shot our differences, you know, we let it go and we moved forward. And Jim went on to do his own thing, you know. But um, there's another guy I want to bring up. None of them think about it. We didn't get a chance to talk about a bunch of the show. I don't really know if you had personal feelings with him. What was your thoughts of wrestling with uh, what was Josh? He wrestled the name Relic, or sometimes Damian Uh Yeah, I, I remember Relic. Uh, Relic is. Uh, I had actually mentioned him earlier. Uh, Rel- between Relic and Brandon Parker, with you know, he was one of the people that passed down their their clothing to me that I ended up turning into attire. So uh, I definitely got to, you know, give him a a lot of mad respect for that because without that, my character would probably still been in in some shitty ass jeans with some broke ass boots that would have probably screwed me over in a match. Um, So I definitely got to give him a lot of respect and a lot of thanks for that. Um, Like the person as, as a whole, he, he, he seriously tried to stay out of as much drama as he could and God bless his soul. He, he could not stay away from that because of the fan base he had. The fan base he had was a whole lot of drama. And I, you know, I, I kind of feel sorry for him about that, but the way he carried himself, you know, uh, there's not a lot of gothnecks out there that I respect, but he's one of them. Um, I've been debating on all night. I should bring this up, but if this comes from talking about it, I'll bring it up, but I don't know. going to scare me. <laughs> but we don't have to go into all unnecessary uh, personal drama. But I'm trying to keep it all in the ring. But I know she has some personal issues with working with Oakley Snipes, who wrestled in the name of Major Snipes. Any thoughts um, about working with this guy or in the ring um, or anything to share with? Well, uh, I can honestly tell you what I did see as far as Oakley was concerned. Uh, he seemed to have like a good ring presence. Uh, he had just enough charisma. He could have probably worked on his charisma a little bit more in the ring. Um, but his actual ring finesse was, you know, I, I, I didn't have any complaints about it. I got to watch a couple of his matches, both online and, you know, in person. And I respect him as a wrestler. As a person, you know, there's a different story about that, that, you know, that's the what we don't have to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to talk about it. Like I said, I've had my own personal issues. Josh had it. There's a lot of guys. For some reason, man, Oakley 
Well, he's been barred from a lot of wrestling promotions, but you know, we'll, we don't have to start breaking that crap up. But um, there is, now, like, granted, if, if it deals with a situation, you just say no comment and I'll move forward with it. But um, was it you or was it him? We had a wrestling show one time. So it was a lot of hype. And it caused a lot of drama between me and Jay and Chris. We were all having big arguments about it. We had a situation where I can't, I don't know if it was like supporting y'all. I said, if the other one is there, the other one wouldn't be there. And Christopher really wanted Midnight to be at this show. And Gardenis, you know, that spirit, the guy that's the mask, um, he wanted Matrix Knights at this show. It's a big old fight between us. We had to make a judgment call. But he could be there, he couldn't be there. Now, Christopher cut me for long here. He wasn't didn't show up. Was it midnight that didn't show up for the show? I didn't show up. I didn't actually play that. And most of that was due to, yes, the uh, out of the ring drama that ended up happening. But the other part of that was, is, see, during that time, uh, when he was uh, outside the ring, I guess I can go ahead and go into a little bit of my personal life. Um, I was having trouble holding on to both my relationship and my kids. And yes, he did have a making in that, but I'll also make sure to put my blame in there. I was not being the man I should have been. And, you know, I was putting a lot more of my time in something other than my kids. And that was causing most of my relationship problems. And, you know, uh, Oakley was just another guy taking advantage of that. And, you know, I, where he has his fault in that, you know, is his fault. But for the most part, that was, that was me being, you know, still young, still dumb, still stupid. Um, and, so most of that, I'm, you know, I've gotten past that. You know, my kids are with me now. Uh, they're doing pretty good. So that, you know, I, I really have no complaints. Life is as it's going to be. Oh, I'm really happy as far as that aspect. I'm glad you're able to see your kids, man. Me and you both were have that in common. I had to fight like crazy to be able to see my kids. I don't know if you need my situation or not. But I actually did end up hearing a little bit about your uh, your situation, and uh, I really am sorry about that, man. If if there's any sort of thing I could have like done, I would have been more than happy. But you know, it it really did seem at that time you had your your support group. And adding an extra person to, person to that would have mean telling an extra story, which would have been more, you know, more of a burden to yourself. And I, I understand how that kind of thing happens. I didn't want to, when everything went down, there's only so many people I wanted to talk to about the whole thing. And, you know, everybody else, I kind of just gave them a general synopsis. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, hey, man, let's try to end the show on a positive note, you know. What are God, another one? Sorry. Um, <laughs> if you can pick one match that way you want to be remembered as your legacy, what would it be? How do you want to be remembered? I would actually say the match between me and Aaron uh, oh man, I wish I could actually remember the actual name of the event. It was the main event. Before you ask that question, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. The one question I want to ask I, I, when you have somebody on the board that had thumbs down to the Albuquerque, they can say whatever crap you want to say, how what true, I was there, and nobody said to me. When I took over as Booker. I wanted to put the other guys. I thought if you went there, and I decided to want, I want you guys to be the best out of the seven series of matches. 
Tell your memory that 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 seven series matches in your area. Like if you were Aaron Greenway, I want seven that seven matches that I'm gonna have. It's either gonna be between the Southern North American title. I think it'd be for North American title correctly. But tell me your memories about that seven series matches you guys had. So my best memories of that was that not actually the matches, but it was before and after the matches. And the reason for that is because we were hyping ourselves up so 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 much like uh, we'd sit at the house and say okay so we're on match two we need to do something about this let's get more let's get more involved so we ended up releasing the videos you know just trash talking each other um and you know we we really wanted to make that storyline pop because this this was our chance we knew that we had a connection in the ring we knew that we had you know that uh, what do you call that oh. but either way we had it all right so we wanted to do the best we could. So outside of the ring, we'd always hype each other up and every single chance we got, we practiced. Like there was an incident over at a food line over uh, off Wrightsboro Road. I don't know if it's still there or not. But either way, we ended up going to this Wrightsboro Road. I think Chris Dickens was with us at the time. I cannot remember. Uh, probably uh, was. But either way, I was going shopping. I had I had some of my food stamps and trying to get some you know, food stuff. And me and Aaron are like, yo, let's make a scene. So we acted like we were fighting. And it, it, like, it scared a lot of people in there. And finally, after uh, Aaron dropped me in, uh, in the food line, one of the, uh, the manager actually came and was like, hey, you guys need to get out of here. You, you all don't need to be fighting. So I immediately you know, popped back up and was like, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. We're, we're actually just acting all this out. And, dude, the look on the manager's face was enough to tell us that we – we're going to have so much fun with this. So I have to say it was mainly all outside the ring where uh, the memories were created, hyping ourselves up, doing the crazy stuff out in public, getting our face to, to the public and showing that, you know, we were going to, we were going to show some serious effort in these matches. Dude, I loved it, man. I love every second. I'm glad I thought about it. I mean, you guys could definitely pull it off. I mean, I was looking for that, Crystal Wall Booker T type of different type of matches. I was hoping the crowd would have got into it. And I was hoping uh Avery Imagine of Charging Video could have hyped it better. But you know, but overall though, I was very, very proud of what you and Aaron was doing, man. It was to me is what I want for the future of ADM to be. You know, I was you know, that was definitely good though. But man, go back to what you were saying earlier about your All right. well, well, the good news is I can lead right into the final match of that best out of seven. It would have been my favorite match. Uh, you know, although the the limited hardcore match comes as a close second, and again, that's you know that was with Aaron. Uh, there was just you know we were still too roughneck. We were still too too young in the game to actually have made it a good good match. You know, we drug it out a lot, and there was a lot of stupid stuff that ended up happening. A lot of mistakes, including the head crash. Um, but, uh, yeah, the ending of the best out of seven, that would have to be my favorite match. If I could leave behind the legacy, it'd be the best out of seven. That is awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it, Joe. Um, I know I heard Joe Christopher talking earlier about Bars. Hey, do a management party. I do want to apologize. You know, he was, he, we went to the huddle house. God, Chris, what, three or four hours at a time, and we would go over all kinds of scenarios. And she seemed, I knew me and Chris would get frustrated. It seemed like Jay and DJ was on the kind of side things, kind of like, 
You know, there was these guys who can not get the red carpet walking in. It's like they could earn it. Don't just give it to them. But Cooks were one of the, you know, push some younger talents at the top. And then, you know, you guys were getting like Christopher would edit the videos and make promo videos with you guys. And, you know, he would really try to push the guys to the limit. Some of the veterans. At that time, I got a little upset about it, too. I kept like we were getting overshadowed. I'm like, you know, and with nothing to do against you. I'm like, I'm telling Christopher, I was like, like, uh, you need to figure out what we're doing, too. And Chris was like, well, it's not always about us, you know. And it caused a lot of heat. And I often think sometimes that's part one reason why I say DJ might have been harder on y'all. I like that to get, you know, the win. But, you know, overall, though, did you guys feel like y'all being mistreated in any kind of way? Or, I mean, um, I, I just I want to say mistreated. I won't. I won't say that mistreated is the correct term for it. Uh, what I uh, again, like I was explaining to Chris, most of our problem with the management was, you know, we literally had to wait until you know either Chris would message one of us on MySpace or Facebook because you know MySpace existed back then. But uh, you know, we either had to wait for a message from Chris on MySpace or we had to wait until the actual day of an event or practice to hear, you know, what was going to happen next, you know, what our job was, who we were going to be faced with. And we just felt like there could have been a lot more, you know, we could have had a lot better interaction had one of the Apple members been part of the board. And other than that, everything seemed to, you know, run pretty chaotic, but we were more than happy with the chaos. Just the kind of people we were. I, I just remember, you know, all the, my memories are really starting to floodgate here. Now I remember, I remember, um, you guys were constantly, and I was wanting to know this. Let me see if you guys feel okay with the Chris or the other guys picking from you guys. So, I mean, I, I think we'll be having a wrestling match. All of a sudden, it seemed like every other match, if not every single match, you had an album to run out of the ring. We could interfere real quick, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had to make sure that. Oh yeah, we had to make sure we showed the crowd that we didn't play by the rules. We, you know, we didn't care. We were anarchists. That was actually part of our name, the uh, Anarchist Backyard Wrestling Association. So, you know, we wanted to show that that's exactly what we were going to be. We weren't going to take any crap from the higher ups. We weren't, you know, we weren't going to follow the rules. We were going to be straight up rebels and anarchists. So that that's where that came in. So that's where most of us ended up running out into the ring trying to showboat and show off and, you know, do stuff. And break stuff. I know, <laughs> I know you did I know y'all I know y'all did cause some heat, you know, and, and retrospect and that kind of stuff too. But overall though, in my opinion, it did make it did make a show exciting. You know, I, I enjoyed it personally. And I also like to think that because of the Alvin crew, it did help AWF get national exposure with Ryan Hazard. What was it called again, Chris? Oh, um, that was the GBYWN. Yes, the GBYWN. I think what you guys are doing, because at one point, we had the best tag team division in wrestling. We were told that by promotions from the fourth, actually. We were all great to be a GBYN. It was really, 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 really cool. You know, um, well, let me ask you this question. Do you have any regrets at all? Like, one thing you could have done, or one guy you really wanted to wrestle with, but it didn't quite happen. Any regrets at all? Like, with AWF or Apple or Well, I can't say it's a regret, but I definitely wish we had uh, more camera people because there were so, well, I won't say so many moves, but there was a lot of good moves missed on camera because, well, shitty cameramen. <laughs> yes, that is true. 
Uh, one of them being the the move that me and Don had worked on for so long, uh, which was the uh, what I like to call the rubber band, which was the fake head scissors uh, takedown. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. As many times as I watch that match, it makes me cry looking at how the camera panned away from us, and you you, you hear Don tapping, you hear him tapping out, but no one sees what happened. No one sees what happened. I do remember that. I'm just shook my head. Oh my goodness. Oh. That would have been my only. I can't even say it's a regret, but it would have been. That was that was definitely a sad moment. I was really sad because that was the only time I was actually able to successfully pull that move off. I know. I know you're working on it a lot and everything, though. You know. Hey, well, I know we might have went over a time on here, but hell, man, I was having fun with the conversation. I do. It's been an honor to talk to you again, man. I know. I, I know. I sent you a benefit on Facebook. Dude. Hey, man, let's stay in contact. You know what it is. I'm working on a um, another video project right we have to hopefully get started in 2018. It's called the AWF Timeline. You know, that's actually going to be not necessarily a podcast audio, but it's going to be like a um, basically it's going to be a video. You're going to be filming it. We're going to talk about the timeline history of each era. I've got you down either doing 2009 or 2010. I might put you in post, but it's the AWF Timeline. Um, I, I would definitely say you'd probably want me in 2010 because 2009, I was, I'll be honest, I was kind of getting in trouble with the law a lot and, you know, I couldn't make as many appearances. <laughs> okay, okay. I was a bad kid. I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. mention that we're doing. I know Mick Clifford is working on the project right now. We're just trying to get everybody together and get your interview shot because we have to do it on webcam and do it on webcam. You know, um, uh, we're doing a documentary story of AWF. I know what we're calling it yet, but we're still in the works of it. Let's go be on TNB, check on that production. You know, we're trying to throw a legacy out there, everything we have accomplished in professional wrestling. And we have one hell of a story. I got you, man. That was a big part of AWF. What's that? LAWF, Legacy of AWF. LAWF. Wow. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, Christopher, man, anything you want to add? Someone? Uh, other than the fact that it was fun to kick Paul in the face too, like it was for him to kick me. Uh, it's just finally good to hear from you again, and hopefully this isn't the last time we'll be hearing from you. Uh, no, not if I can help it. If you still do your '90s podcast, there's actually a, a little bit of stuff I wanted to share with you. Uh. But I, we can reach on that on Facebook. But yeah, you definitely got you, you guys are definitely going to stay in touch. Uh, I'll, well, I'm definitely going to stay in touch with you guys. And you know, I'm I kind of suck at keeping in touch, so I will definitely try harder. And I do apologize for that. That's fine, boss man. That's fine, boss man. All right, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, my name is Bill Blanchard, survivor fan, along with Christian Glenn Dickens of TMZ. We've had Paul Glenn on the show tonight. We'll see you all again next time. I hope that every tune in to us every single week on Chestnut Pass Protection. Listen to the Rusty Shootout. Y'all have a good night. Thank you very much.